everybody, on this week, this edition of Guys Talking Sports, we're going to get into championship weekend that done passed. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Um, we're going to talk about where some quarterbacks are going to be moving. And we also talk about the Hall of Fame, how no one was elected into the 2021 Hall of Fame for baseball this year. That and a little bit more, as always, from this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Guys Talking Sports, uh, where we got a lot of things going on in sports. There's a little bit of baseball, some football, a lot of football, and a little bit of basketball. Uh, but before we get started with all the shenanigans going on in the sports world, I um, want to definitely say uh, what's up and big shout outs to the uh, to the homies, uh, Ace and Al. Fellas, what's going on tonight? And I'm just enjoying... Well, I can't say I'm enjoying because I'm right now I'm dead tired. Um, work is killing me right now. I am exhausted, um, but I am up and ready for a live conversation of what's going on in sports today, along with not just you, Smooth, but with a very special occasion for my man, Ace, who I will just let him speak. <laughs> what up? What up? No, you know, normally I'd be broadcasting from... Uh, Northern Maryland, but I can honestly say that tonight I'm broadcasting from Atlantic City, New Jersey. You know, I'm home from New Jersey, but still plenty of good ways from where I grew up. But here in Jersey, just hanging out for my birthday, 46, turn up, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Ocean's Casino, got to give you a shout. It's, it's crazy up in here. I know this ain't the newest joint on the block, but it's new to me, and this joint is tight. If you ain't been to Ocean's, you got to check it out, get yourself a room, hang out. It's real dope. Um, giving them an unofficial plug. Uh, <laughs> but I'm here, and as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go gamble, and hopefully I don't lose. But, you know, it's my birthday, so I'm looking for some good luck. <laughs> well, there the it is. Of, the first official plug is always free. <laughs> always free. Doing do, 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 do jam for the money after that. <laughs> Uh, but point of correction, actually, Oceans is one of the, well, not freshly built from the ground up, but it's one of the newer ones open. That and Hard Rock Casino opened up about, I'd say, well, almost two years ago. The last two ones to open up either a year or two years ago, the last two ones to open up on on um, on a boardwalk. So uh, I've been there before, but not hung out like that in there. And it's my understanding, if I saw it correctly, that they're opening up a live down here in February sometime. We got a what? Live? It's called live. Oh, MGM. Um. Oh, okay. That might be. Oh, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's MGM because we got an MGM down in Southern Maryland, down in PG County. But we have this joint called Maryland Live. That's in. Uh, that's in Anne Arundel County. Uh, which is. I thought was something similar to what I saw on the, on the billboard coming in. It's calling itself live, and it's opening in February, so it's going. It's about to be brand new. Hmm. Okay. Well, the man Ace out there in Atlantic City broadcasting on his birthday. Appreciate you being out out here. I'm pretty sure, like you said, right. you're going to be hitting the casino floor right after this call. So uh, I look forward to hearing some of your stories tomorrow. But um, let's hope I win. Well, and if I disappear, it's just me making a drink because I gotta get turned up because the casino stops serving liquor at ten. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna gamble, I need to be in my right mind. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so we want to get right into it. Um, sports world has been popping off. It was championship weekend this past weekend with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs both winning their respective games, and we'll be playing for the Super Bowl. Um, next weekend, next Sunday at 6.30 on CBS. Um, so both of the games, in my opinion, were pretty darn good. A um, little bit of drama, not so much drama in another game, but um, we're going to start off with the first games. Um, let's get right down to it. Uh, Tampa Bay and Green Bay. There's been a lot of controversy in that game. Um, Aaron Rodgers um, basically is quietly throwing everybody underneath the bus and he's taking no blame for himself for losing the game 
Um, but, you know, it was a good game. He threw some INTs. Brady threw some INTs. Um, it was nip and tuck at this, you know, going into the second half, into the fourth quarter. But at the end, Tom Brady um, prevailed. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to the Super Bowl. So, Al, um, do you think this is more of Tampa Bay winning the game or more of um, the Green Bay Packers blowing the game? Um, that's it's, – it's a very interesting question. Um, I will I, – I would say this, that – Tampa Bay, at the at the end of the day, did what they needed to do. Um, I think that I think that for the most part, for to be honest with you, Tom Brady um, did what he was supposed to do. He managed the game. I think the defense for Tampa Bay gets um, needs to get a lot of credit for what they did for holding Green Bay's offense to where it was. Um, I'm not gonna. There could have been some things that could have been done differently for Green Bay to at least. Tie the, tie the game or at least try to attempt to win it or at least win it. Um, but I'm not going to hark on that per se. I'm going to just take the easy way out and say I think that Tampa Bay did what they needed to do. But I have to give kudos to their defense for doing what they were supposed to do and stop or contend Aaron Rodgers um, at this stage. Because let's be honest, when we talk about Tampa Bay, we're not giving credit to their defense. Um, it's always about Tom Brady and what the offense can do. The offense did score touchdowns, um, but at the end of the day, I think that their defense was very underrated here and should deserve a lot of praise for get, making a lot of stops, key stops, um, that successfully gave them the victory that they needed to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I truly think – I'm going to give kudos to Tampa's, Tampa's defense, but I think Green Bay gave that game away. When you have three opportunities or three interceptions on Tom Brady, you got to capitalize on that. They got one touchdown, but they could at least got some field goals or something else in that situation. And outside of the one field, uh, uh, a touchdown that they got, they had two, three and outs. Again, I give uh, – I give uh, – Props to Ty Bowles and the defense from uh, from Green Bay, but you got to do more. Um, Green Bay had every opportunity to win this game. It was pretty much handed to them on a the silver platter, and their defense, I'm not going to say it's all on Aaron Rodgers, but uh, defense, everything. You know, all three phases of the, of the game for Green Bay in the second half of that game pretty much didn't come through for them. Um, well, no, I take that back because it, it took some – the defense played well enough to get some INTs. But when they really needed the defense to show up, they couldn't do anything, and they, they got that field goal towards the end of the game to uh, to shore up the win. But bottom line is I truly think that Green Bay's offense pretty much gave up that game because they had every opportunity to win. So as far as Aaron Rodgers is throwing everybody underneath the bus – he may have some validity towards that. You know, he I'm sure he is part to blame for that as well. He could have easily ran that touchdown back on that third possession when it was inside the red zone, and he chose not to. I'm not sure why, but, you know, we can all speculate that maybe we thought that he had the fourth down to sit there and play with. But as a competitor and as somebody who wants to win, you want to score when you can score. And he had an opportunity, for whatever reason, he opted to throw the ball instead of run. Maybe he was – maybe he didn't think that he could make it or beat the linebackers or the corners to the corner. But you know what? John Elway, when he was trying to win them Super Bowls, he he did whatever he could do to get that ball in the end zone when he took a helicopter hit, and you know, to score that one TD. That solidified his career. That solidified John Elway as a Hall of Famer and everything like that. I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers isn't a Hall of Famer, but maybe he needed a moment like that to show that he was willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that he team – this team got to the Super Bowl. So I'm placing blame on Green Bay's offense, and I'm giving all props to Tampa Bay's defense. Yes, we all know about that, 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 that the last series of plays and, you know, the controversy of whether they should have went for it on fourth down or not should have went, went for it on fourth down. So do you guys – at the time, did you guys agree with the coach by not going for it on the fourth down and kicking the field goal? 
knowing that at this particular point you kind of had the momentum. And truth be told, your defense even, you know, had been pretty much holding holding Tampa Bay <laughs> at bay up until that point. Nah. I, the coach gets just as much fault as, uh, as Aaron Rodgers on the third down play. You know, my man, he should be frat, but we know Herm Edwards. He came out there, you play to win the game. You don't come out here to play percentages. You don't come out here to play uh, whatever the uh, the stats tell you or whatever the analytics may tell you. Your gut tells you if you should go out there and, and win that game. And Aaron Rodgers has this opportunity to win that game, but then the coach turned around and should have said, Aaron, I'm giving you the ball right back, so let's go ahead and let's win this game right here because we don't know if we're going to have another opportunity. So blame goes on both for me. I agree. Blame goes on both. Um, at the end of the day, they, you got to do, like you said, like you said, he's, um, you take, it's whatever it takes to win the game. And now the question is going to come back to haunt is whether or not did you do everything that you need to do to solidify yourself to making it to the Super Bowl or to win the game. And that's going to be a hard reflection that every that the Green Bay Packers is going to need to, to take a look at. And it's not just the fact that, and I'm not going to, you know, I'll save you guys for, for Aaron Rodgers, but as you can't blame everybody else and don't take a look at yourself. And you have to be held accountable for, is there anything that you could have done differently to um, change the outcome? And that's what I, I hope that he takes a look at um, at this end of the day. But I think that at the end of the day, I, I said it before and I say it again, Tampa Bay looked like they was playing to win. And they did everything that they needed to do to to, to solidify that. Not giving them the, the, the I mean, I'm, I'm saying that Green Bay at the end of the day, is going to take a look back and see if what they could have done more. Bottom line. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's that's a tough one. To me, I think it's both of their faults um, because on one, um, I can kind of see exactly maybe where Matt LaFleur's mindset was at. I mean, prior to that drive, they had the momentum. They had been picking off Tom Brady. Their defense had been stifling their offense. I mean, you think you kick the field goal. Maybe your defense can come up with another stop. You get another touchdown, and that's it. I mean, they had to basically go in and score and get a two-point conversion to really tie that game up. Um, so, to me, I agree. You had the opportunity. You had about five yards of green field in front of you. You run to that end zone or at least run to the corner – Maybe get the pylon, maybe get real close to the pylon and make that decision to go on fourth, you know, fourth down easier. Because if you're at four and two or four and one, you don't think you're not going to go for that? Or do you don't think Aaron Rodgers could have caught a timeout and kind of talked them in like, let me get this? But you decided to throw the ball. And as much as one of our friends like to say pocket quarterbacks are in there, that's the one time that a running QB would have darted Maybe Lamar Jackson or maybe somebody else would have might have been able Lamar Jackson probably would have got you a touchdown on that one. Oh. I'll put money on that. I think Lamar Jackson would have got a touchdown on that one. You would have ran that in two plays ago. <laughs> or at the very least, got you down to the one yard line uh, where you could have, you know, you know, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers could have do a sneak in or anything. But um you know, as, as ours going to be, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks, I'm hearing everybody talking about, you know, Matt LaFleur cost that game. Matt LaFleur did this. No. I mean, it was the offense that couldn't capitalize on three turnovers from Tom Brady, three turnovers that Tom Brady don't normally do. And like you said, you got to play to win the game. When the GOAT gives you three, you know, gives you three interceptions, and those are bad interceptions. At one of them, I don't know, he was even throwing at he just over he just overshot the receiver and threw it right to the um, the cornerback that was sitting back there waiting for it. So you get three chances from Tom Brady. You got to cash one of those in, and the offense didn't do it. And then you leave it at the last the last you know the last play of the game, or at least the last series of the game. You get all the way down there, and then you kind of cop out. So to me. You know, Aaron Rodgers is going to sit there and say, well, it's not my call, blah, blah, blah. Well, look, 
you guys had multiple opportunities before that to make this a moot point and you still couldn't do it. So to me, Matt LaFleur and Rodgers, the offense, it's all you guys' fault. And right now, as usual, Aaron Rodgers want to deflect the blame, you know, def deflect blame as usually does. And right now he's pouting, talking about, well, I don't know, this might be the, you're going to stay at Green Bay because where else are you going to go? Because there's no ready-made situation out there like how Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. That was a ready-made, tailor-made situation for him to go to. It's not, it's not that many teams out there that's tailor-made, ready-made, like Tampa Bay was for Tom Brady. And they're just a draft pick away as far as maybe just another receiver for being dominant. They just need another – I know they have some dominant receivers there, but they had the, the case of the oopsies and the drop season. Uh, a, a lot of things could have been a hell of a lot different if those receivers had caught the ball. And those are balls that they normally catch on any other day. But for whatever reason, they were dropping them last Sunday. So Aaron Rodgers would be real hard-pressed to sit there and say he wants to go somewhere else. Where is he going to go where he knows his – he got to pretty much the number one receiver in the game with, uh, uh, with Adams. And he has a pretty good run game, and he, he has some young talent around him that was just really starting to blossom. And the offensive line wasn't that bad. I mean, offensively, they were pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which makes me wonder about their defense, though, at the end of the day. Um, because for them to do what they did in the regular season, and you would probably expect it more. And I'm not taking away the credit of, of Tom Brady and the uh, Tampa Bay off, offense, but um, the stops were there. For them as well and they didn't take advantage of it and that could be one of the reasons you know it's just one of the many aspects of the Green Bay Packers of why they didn't get the job done that they should have got done um but at the end of the day I think that you know they really have to, to and I agree I don't know what Rodgers is going to do after this offseason there's really no other place for him to go at this stage um I'm very interested to see what happens because now, you know, you're throwing everybody under the bus, so to speak, and not taking ownership for yourself. I'm wondering if the ship is now sailed for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And I guess that's the biggest question um, that's, that's going to be this offseason. I don't think so. I don't think so either. They'll acquiesce. They'll do whatever he wants. They're going to kiss the ring and, you know, they'll go in the draft, like you said, ace get a receiver or two, maybe you're running back. Um, I saw some projections that they might wind up with Najee Harris from Alabama, which would be hella interesting. Um, so uh, that would be very scary. Um, but if I'm Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, is how do you leave a 13-3 and team to go someplace else? It's not like Tom Brady left a 13-3 and New England Patriots to go to Tampa Bay. Uh, New England was not that good. Um, and when he left, a lot of people left. Um, so, but but here's my question to in that I mean, do you think that that's the, not saying Aaron Rodgers per se, but some of the if Aaron Rodgers stayed, do you think some of that talent was going to go because of Aaron Rodgers staying? If Aaron Rodgers stays, obviously, talent's going to stay if they can, you know, as far as money fits, mm -hmm. there's always going to be some issue, but. Their wide receiver core outside of Adams is pretty young, like first and second year receivers. So pretty much all of them are under contract. Your biggest concern is uh, Jones, who I believe is still under contract. Aaron Jones? Yeah. Yeah. And their offensive line. If their offensive line is still under contract, he'd be foolish to sit there and leave because all they could do is just flourish more. You just got to sit there and look to management and say, look, what you going to do to make this defense better? <laughs> Who's going to go out there and get? Mm. Yeah, I, I think that they their offense is just fine. I think that at the end of the day, there's going to be some 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 signings here and there, some trades here and there um, to solidify. I'm just more curious to see if this is now water under the bridge or if this is going to linger um, going forward. 
Well, we're definitely going to see because he's under contract for what? Another two years. So even if they try to trade him or move him, it's going to be a big cap hit. So for me, I think Aaron Rodgers stays. Um, if he's trying to twist arms to another contract, maybe. Um, I don't know if he's if, if this is, um, you know, <laughs> making it any easier for the organization. Um, but I, I will say this, Aaron Rodgers. Um, there's been a lot of people out there on the news that have been saying about the fact that they took Jordan Love in the first round and that they're not treating Aaron Rodgers with the same respect of Brett Favre. You guys forgot what they did to Brett Favre when they drafted Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, right. I mean, the the level of hypocrisy, the level of forgetfulness that people have is like Aaron Rodgers got, you know, all in his feelings about what the Green Bay Packers did by bringing in Jordan Love. They, they did that with you to Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, at the end of the day, don't get it twisted. This is a business. And when they drafted you and they had um, Brett Favre, no matter what the circumstances was, that was a business decision. And you might have sat a couple of years, and when you were ready to run, you were good. And guess what they did with Jordan Love? They made a business decision. Whether or not it was the right business decision, you know, we'll see, you know, time will tell. But for everybody to remember, that was business. Yeah. Always business. As Nino Brown said, never personal. Yeah, pretty much. It's up to, and it's up to uh, Jordan Love to sit there and, and carry on that quarterback excellence once they decide to run with him instead of uh, Aaron Rodgers. If not, they'll give him a couple of years and they'll just sit there and say, well, this was a bust, and they'll go out and find somebody else. Yep. So, so Aaron Rodgers and anybody else out there defending Aaron Rodgers and this, this, and that, give it a break. Just business. Now, on the other side of the <laughs> other side of the coin, there was the AFC championship game with the Kansas City Chiefs, in my opinion, really running the Buffalo Bills <laughs> off the court after the first quarter. Um, I think you both, I think Ace was the only person that kind of was pulling for Buffalo. I think me and Al both said Kansas City. Um, Buffalo looked like they were trying to, you know, give it a good run in the first quarter. And then the second quarter, it was just Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey show took over. It was pretty much game over. So what, what was your guys' thoughts on that second game? I just realized I gave a kiss of death to both teams and I just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Did you pick Green Bay? Green Bay and I picked Buffalo. Wait, to be honest, I, I don't even know if I did the same thing or not. Um, I know I, I, I was rooting for Buffalo because um, I wanted Josh Allen to outshine. Um, actually, I think I picked Buffalo because I wanted Josh Allen to get into the Super Bowl, get that experience because I was saying the fact that all the remaining quarterbacks um, been to the Super Bowl um, and won the Super Bowl with the exception of Josh Allen. So I was rooting for Buffalo so to that extent. Um, was very mistakenly, mistaken on that aspect of it because first quarter I was like, oh, okay, this is going to turn out to be a really good, good game like I thought it would. And then second quarter went through and it just felt as though that the switch just went on for Kansas City. And once that switch went on, it just just at another level. Um I I I I have to commend Buffalo because truth be told, this is a learning process for them. Um hopefully they could take what they've learned from the championship series and progress on and do a little bit, you know, a little bit of tweaking here or there. But I think that overall Buffalo is gonna be good for years to come. They're the future. I'm at this stage. Um, the question is now is they're always going to be that future behind Kansas City. Um, I think Kansas City is on another level at this stage. Um, Buffalo is there, but they're it kind of, you know what it kind of reminds me of? Um, the Buffalo Bills with uh Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas. They're gonna always be Ooh. there, but they're not gonna actually grab the brass wing because there's gonna be a team that's gonna be there better than them. And this particular case in the AFC is going to be Kansas City. Um, until that run is course, 
Buffalo is not going to be where they, I mean, they're going to be there, but they're not going to be there, there yet. Um, hopefully, um, they're the future, um, but I think Kansas City is just on another level at this stage. I thought that they played like they were on another level. And I think that once they become more serious and more, it looked like they were just playing around. But I think that once they really take this to heart, which I believe that they will, I think that they're just going to continue to be that juggernaut. No matter what, they're going to prove again at this stage. Okay. Nope. I, I don't. I don't. I didn't think you gave kisses of death, Ace. But um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't think so either. But. <laughs> but uh, but I, uh, you know, I think I, I agree. I was saying last week that I thought that Buffalo was on the cusp. I, I agree with you, Al. I think Kansas City is just just. A little bit, a little bit more better than them. I take this as a learning experience. I definitely think Buffalo and Cleveland, per se, um, are going to be, you know, are right there um, with Pittsburgh and and the Ravens, kind of like underneath. But yeah, Buffalo has good. They're going to be good to come. It's going to be a learning experience. Um, you know, Josh Allen is is, is definitely trending upward. Um, credit Kansas City defense. They did a good job of doubling Stefan Diggs and making um, Josh Allen have to have to beat them with somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, I thought they got away from their running game a little bit too early. Um, but when you play in Kansas City and they drop 14 on you real quick, it's going <laughs> that's going to make you, you know, that that's going to make you, you know, wanna. And um, I think they had opportunities to kind of, you know, keep it in their defense. You know, I think, in my opinion. The first quarter was a pretty good defensive job with Kansas City. Um, I think they were able to kind of, you know, keep them off balance to a certain degree. Um, but like I said, once the second quarter got, you know, going and they got cooking, whew, I mean, they just they just turned up another notch. Um, um, Travis Kelsey and, um, and um, Hicks, I mean, the play that he had when he caught the ball – and um, the run after the catch where he went like to one side of the field and then cut back to the other side. It looked like I was playing Madden with using the C <laughs> button for turbo and like the juke button to get around defenders, man. It was just, it was just unreal. And, um, you know, once they get you down, that's it. I mean, it forces you to change your whole game plan. And that's all Kansas City does. Once you to get out of your game plan, and that's and I was surprised that the defense brought that much heat on Josh Allen. I mean, yes. that second half of that third quarter and fourth quarter, they blitzed the shit out of him. And I mean, yes. blitzed them heavy. Mm -hmm. He's starting to beat him with his feet, but whew, they brought that heat from everywhere. And he just he just didn't know how to beat the blitz well. And to be honest, that's the type of defense that Kansas City to be to be at that upper echelon. That's the defense that they needed to, to be honest, to be all season long. Because once you put pressure on the quarterback, you know, it. they have to adapt to that game plan. And they definitely brought a lot of blitzing, um, especially in that second half. It was just to the point where I almost kind of felt, so, kind of felt sorry for Josh Allen because they had him like dead to rights defensively. And it was like, it was nothing he could really do at that stage. And to be honest, we talk about Kansas City's offense all the time and their defense needs to be up on that level. And it looks like that's what their, their defense is starting to pick up steam now. And if their defense starts to pick up steam, that's it's going to be some problems. Agreed. Agreed. Got a long time for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I don't know if they want to you – know, Steve Spagnolia is um, helming that defense, you know, the architect of uh, the Giants teams that beat, you know, Brady. So he knows what to do. Um, my thing is I, Brady knows how to beat the Blitz. So I don't know if they want to actually use that same format with Brady um, too much. He definitely has the, um, the tight ends that be able to allow him to, <laughs> to you, know, you know, dump it off. Um, but uh, – we all know Tom Brady does not like to be hit, and they're going to have to hit Brady a couple of times and a couple of times early. Once you do that to Brady, he's going to do like how he did with Green Bay. He's going to throw that ball up, and there's going to be opportunities to get some INTs or some stuff. So, I mean, 
We'll see. I mean, it's going to be another week before the Super Bowl, but if they try to blitz Brady like that, Brady might kill him. I just, I, is it wrong for me just to want to see Brady get smacked really, really good? <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to injure like you hurt his knee. But this is one of those, one of those good hits where he kind of wakes up like Mahomes and like, where the hell am I type of hits. <laughs> you know, maybe he had to sit out the second half to do the concussion protocol. You know, just a good, good old smack. Something that you haven't seen on Brady ever. <laughs> And that could change the outcome of the game. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see if that happens. Um, but I think that the offensive line that Brady has is going to have to protect them, you know, do more than maximum protection against the um, defensive line of Kansas City. Um, but I do got to say this. Um, and I've been harping about this for years. Um, I have to apologize uh, to Tom Brady because all this time I was thinking that Tom Brady was just the product of Bill Belichick's offensive scheme and system. And I have to admit when I'm wrong that I am wrong. Um, Tom Brady is not about the system. I think that Bill Belichick's system at this stage, it definitely showed this year that it wasn't the system at all. Um, Tom Brady right now deserves a lot more credit than I have given him. Um, to be honest, I wasn't giving him the fair shake that he deserves. He's definitely one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback um, in the NFL. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I got you off. Mm -hmm. I sit there and think about all the QBs that came either with Tom Brady or Tom was, you know, Matt Castle, uh, Garoppolo, uh, my boy that's QB over down in uh, Indianapolis, but they don't give no burn because they just don't believe in him. Um, Even Drew Brees? <laughs> Who? Even Drew, I mean, not Drew Brees, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking Bledsoe, sorry. Um, Continue. <laughs> well, all those QBs, Matt Castle was a bust. I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo's a bust, but he ain't he ain't A plus material. He's more like C plus B minus material. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is the is the quarterback over in Indianapolis. He's decent, but they don't believe in him enough to sit there and run Indianapolis because if they did, they wouldn't keep trying to bring in different quarterbacks. So now that I sit back and think about it, like you said, Adam. Tom Brady is truly the GOAT because every quarterback that they brought in who they thought would be the heir apparent to Tom Brady has been some pure trash. <laughs> and it's really going to expose uh, – it's going gonna, it's gonna to expose Belichick because he's going to prove that without a, a quarterback who can be that dude, it's just not going to be that, that – he's not going to provide that same results that he's been providing over the past three years. And yeah, and that's I and that's where I was going. Um, I agree with you, Ace. Um, I've, all this time, I was thinking that he was just a product of the system, a Bill Belichick mm -hmm. system. But to be honest, now that kind of it, it it how can I put this? Before I was saying that Tom Brady was basically a part of Bill Belichick's system, which made him the greatest, one of the greatest. But now I have to reverse that and say that Bill Belichick's success was dependent on Tom Brady being the quarterback. And I wasn't thinking about that aspect of it. I was thinking more of Tom Brady being a part of Bill Belichick's system. But now I have to say without a shadow of a doubt, based off of this season, that I was completely wrong. It should have been the other way around. Bill Belichick's success was off of Tom Brady, the quarterback. And right now, I have to say that without a shadow of a doubt. I believe that now without a shadow of a doubt, I should say. <sighs> I hate to admit it, but yeah. You can admit it. I'm not going to go there fully with you. Oh, that's not, I mean, I'm, I'm not, all right. Now, let me, let me, let me say, I'm not saying he's the greatest, but I'm saying he is one of the greatest. I have to give him that. 
I'll put them up there. Um, in winning a, a, a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay um, would definitely probably, you know, solidify, you know, end all doubts. I still have personal reverence for Joe Montana. Something, something to me about four wins and no blemishes. That is know, true. No I, losses always seems to stick better to me than even though you had a couple of losses. Right. Now, I will say this. Um, did Bill Belichick need Brady? Yes. Did Brady need Belichick? Yes. No, you think so? Yes. Yes. If you look at those first two to three championships, that wasn't Brady. That was the defense. That was Belichick's defense. I'll give you the first two specifically was 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 specifically Brady's um Belichick's defense. And I'm not I will I will never say Tom Brady was a game manager. But he flowed within the offense that they presented to him. But that defense got him that game. Um, he wasn't lighting anybody up. It wasn't until he got to, you know, maybe like the third and then so on, where especially um, the last couple of ones where – and some luck. Um, don't tell me that Seattle Seahawks championship wasn't hell of a luck. But um, I would venture to say that those first two championships, that was a team – and that was the defense that won them a championship. Now, later on, once, you know, the defense wasn't as good and Brady, you know, that offense really clicked, then I would say it was Brady. So I would say in the beginning, it was definitely a good marriage. I think um, Belichick's defense helped Brady immensely. But I think in a lot of years when you had lesser defenses and even to a certain degree lesser talent on the on offensively, I think Brady, you know, definitely, you know, did him justice. So I'm – and my thing goes back to what you said, you know, you know, Ace, is it a system or is it a man? Yeah, you had Matt Castle, you had Jimmy G. He went to San Francisco, got him to a Super Bowl. Regardless of how it ended, he got that squad to a Super Bowl. Um, so Matt Castle, when, when uh, Tom Brady went down, he won 11 games when Tom Brady went down. Right. 11 games, not eight, not seven, but 11 within that same system. So it gets skewed and people seem to have quick, you know, you know, fleeting memory because all they see is the last couple of Super Bowls. But when you look at the totality of work, um, he wasn't lighting them up. He wasn't doing Patrick Mahomes from first one to the last Super Bowl that he won. It, it started progressing more. And to me, I'm, he is what he is. He's he's one he's one of the best, if not the best, to do it. But to people that are saying that you know Belichick this, Belichick that, what happens when you draft bad and when you're at the top of the division and you get bad and low draft picks and you get Spygate and you lose a couple of um couple of draft picks and you have Deflategate and you lose a couple of draft picks. This is what you fucking end up with, and unfortunately, everyone's saying that. Cam Newton sucks, or Cam Newton didn't do that. Cam right. Newton didn't have nearly the same kind of talent that Brady had, even the year before. When Brady left, a lot of people left. Fortunate defense didn't even come back and play because of COVID reasons. He didn't have Gronk. He didn't have um, half the people. You had um, uh, who was their wide receiver that's playing? I mean, tight end that's playing that retired. Um, not Gronk, but somebody else. Um, Wes mm-hmm. Welker. He didn't have Wes Walker. He didn't have hardly any of those same weapons um, that Brady had. And yes, Brady was able to do a lot more because he knew the system, but it's an unfair comparison when you sit there and say that Brady and Belichick, because Brady went to a squad that had far better weapons and a far better team than New England had this year. New England just sucked, and they sucked last year, and they sucked more this year. Tampa Bay was good last year. They had an issue with quarterback. You get a you bring in a veteran Tom Brady with the same damn roster, except for maybe two or three pieces on offense that really haven't done all that much. So, but that's why Al, I can't go on you and saying it was all Brady. I think it was a good marriage. In the beginning, one person was doing more, but in the end, Brady was doing you know much more. So. No, I agree with you. I mean, to be honest, now that you're saying that, it kind of, you know, let's be honest here with New England. I mean, it's not like they was battling every year for division. 
I mean, they was in the best division that they could have because the rest of the teams for that some yeah. <laughs> the rest of the teams sucked for the a certain amount of years. And it wasn't like it was competitive, so that they had to play somebody on par, which is one of the reasons why they probably had one of the best records, because let's be honest, they had to play he had New England had to play Miami, um, Buffalo, the Jets. They had to play them at least twice. So you know, their record speaks for themselves. If they could beat those sorry teams, that's how their record increased, which is why they were top of their AFC all the time with the number one or number two, um, I mean, number one or number two rating, I mean, um, seed. And it's just, yeah, it, it was a perfect marriage. I, I get that now. I understand that it was definitely a more perfect marriage than anything. But at the end of the day, I still say for them to get to the success that they have, I have to give credit where credit is due. That's probably where I'm, I should stay at, at this at this stage. I agree. I agree with both of you. I agree. Um, but when you just look at it, you know, on paper, it's just who do you believe? Who do you think? And I would have to say I believe Tom Brady. I think Belichick is a fraud. But you know. You got You just can't base it off of one season. You really got to give it two or three seasons to sit there and really see how the whole thing works out. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. From there. No, I definitely agree with that. I'm still skeptical whether or not Belichick is going to finish out his coaching career with New England. I still believe he's going to eventually leave. But then the question is, where do you think he's going to go? You think? Let me let me rephrase that. You think he's going to stay in the AFC? Is the question I have. I think he might just go out on top and say, F it. <laughs> I don't know if he wants to go out on this because it, 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 it's looked bad. And they got a reclamation project out there in, um, in New England that's going to take uh, – you, you're going to have to strip that down and start, you know, from the ground up per se. So, But I could see him do, doing GM someplace, a GM job someplace else. But time will tell. Uh, so moving right along, we definitely have some QBs that could be on the move. Matt Stafford and the Lions are going to part ways. Deshaun Watson is having all kinds of issues with the Texans. And uh, Jared Goff didn't get a vote of confidence from the GM <laughs> today. So uh, out of your guys' opinion, who do you think out of those – well, we know one is at least going, but do you think all three are going to be on their respective teams come next year at the beginning of the season? Because you already know one is probably going to be going. No, and I hope that the 49ers can finagle a Jimmy G, Deshaun Watson type of trade. I don't get it. <laughs> what do they got to give up? Just get him. Just get Watson. Jesus. Okay, I'm, I'm off. You don't want Jared Goff? No. <laughs> I have to give up Bosa, man. No. Let me give up draft picks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... First round this year, next year. Well, you know, Jets fans up here screaming for it for Deshaun. I know they would. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm be honest with you, I would not be surprised if there's a whole plethora of quarterback changes. Um, I'm very curious to see what will happen. As, as a matter of fact, because um, let's be honest, certain quarterbacks need change. Deshaun. Um, Jared Goff, as I mentioned, um, the question is, will they pull the trigger to do it? And we are going to have to wait and see. I definitely believe Matt Stafford is going to be somewhere. I, to be honest, what teams out there is actually in need of a quarterback? There's a couple. That's really the question. <laughs> what teams out there is actually – really in need of a quarterback that will say this quarterback will put me over the top. Dude, Colts? This from the AFC East alone, you're talking about uh, New England, the Jets. Um, uh, there's a third team in the, in the, in the East. Dolphins? Dolphins will. Mm. Not, not Buffalo. No, it's said Miami. Yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe they're not sold on Tua. They're not no. sold on Tua. 
but they'll but they'll go the cheap route. If they're really not sold on Tua, they'll draft one of those shiny quarterbacks coming out before they have to overpay Matt Stafford. I can see that too. Mm-hmm. Unless it's Aaron Rodgers, then I think they'll do it. But if it's not Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> they'll they'll probably just draft a, a new QB. Then obviously Pittsburgh already done signed uh um Dwayne Haskins as their backup. So they, they don't have to worry about that. But then Cleveland has their quarterback. Uh, uh, Nashville has their quarterback, and somebody else has their quarterback. But in the AFC alone, you could say there's six or seven teams that could that could use an upgrade for a quarterback. Hmm. So let me ask you. Well, then I like I said I definitely see there's going to be some changes. There's going to be some big changes, especially in the quarterback position. Um, I'm I'm just curious to see who pulls for who at this stage. You know what? It, quite interesting or not, um, in the in the NFC, I think there was opportunity for some teams. I think maybe maybe LA might have wanted to take a crack at um. Uh, uh, a run at uh, Matthew Stafford if they're not trying to quietly take a run at, you know, Aaron Rodgers. But I don't think Green Bay is not going to trade him to the NFC. Um, yeah. I think, you know, Philadelphia Eagles could have tried their hand, but I don't know if if they want to go that route. But um, I agree with you. There's a lot of teams out there on the AFC and the NFC. It's going to be very interesting to see where he winds up. Um, Chicago comes to mind, um, mm. but then that's going to be staying right in the same division. Mm. I don't know if Chicago wants to do that. Um, there might be opening down at New Orleans Saints. Yep. Yeah. New Orleans Saints would be attractive to two QBs. They'd definitely be attractive to Aaron Rodgers because they got all the pieces there. I think Drew Brees is done whether or not he wants to actually come out and say it or not. I think he's probably done, or at least I think the Saints are probably trying to tell him you're done. So if they can get opportunity to get Aaron Rodgers and maybe try to get Matt, Matthew Stafford and try to run it back with what they got, that could be very interesting. Let me ask you a question. Do you see them ever put a, pulling the trigger on Deshaun Watson? Who? Deshaun Watson. What team? The Saints. Now I think a team is there. I don't think they'll do. I I heard something on the radio today where they believe that the Taysom Hill experiment. They did that. They they don't think they can go ahead and move forward uh, forward with it. But the reason why they didn't play Jason uh, uh, Winston, it was because they didn't want another uh, Teddy Bridgewater, where that he came in there and proved that he could be that QB and then sign some big-time contract somewhere else. So they're holding on to him, and they're going to start him next season. Plus, they ain't going to have no film on him, so they can really go out there and just come out with a bang. Okay, wait a minute. All right, so... Eh. I mean, I guess it worked out for them in, in a way because... You know, they got it got to them where they were in the playoffs. And I mean, it could have been, I mean, if it is Drew Brees' last hurrah, you know, he went out on his terms. So if it played out for him that way, then so be it. Yeah, which I, 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 I don't think Taysom Hill is a long term answer. Jameis Winston was on a one year contract, so he's probably not a long term answer. So, um, Deshaun Watson going to the Saints is is very, very interesting and intriguing. I mean, for him to go down there with Sean Payton, Sean Payton would probably be salivating at the mouth as far as what he can, you know, utilize with him. Um, now it comes back to what do you have to give to get? <laughs> so, and if I'm um, Deshaun Watson, I want to go to a place where I can maximize my opportunities to hit the Super Bowl and I will try to, I want to be like Brady, go to the team where, you know, there are a few pieces away, you know, from getting, you know, from getting you up there. And the Saints, I think, are a good QB and one or two pieces away from getting back to the Super Bowl. But, you know, what I really can't 
Well, I, I mean, I understand it, but what really just kind of grinds my gears is they make it seem like James Winston was some sort of total bum. Like, that dude, he threw for over 5,000 yards that year. Unfortunately, yes, he threw for 30 interceptions. But <laughs> For over thirty for over thirty touchdowns, he's a gunslinger. You know what I'm saying? He took chances, and I, I just hate the rap that he's getting just because you know of all the interception. But you know, would he have taken this Tampa squad uh, to the next level? Probably not. But you can't you can't you can't judge that man's heart and his desire for uh, for trying to win. You know, obviously, if they didn't think that he was the man, that uh, Arians would have tried to pull him, put somebody else in. Obviously, he had no faith in his backup quarterbacks to put somebody else in. I love the fact that you said that. <laughs> I love the fact that you said he's not a bum, but then yet you came off of the same mouth and said, for, oh, yeah, of course he threw over 30 interceptions, but, you know, <laughs> but it's, 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 but just, it's just the way it, it, it just came out. That's all. I found that I mean, very amusing. I mean, yeah, it, it sounds crazy, but he also <laughs> threw over 5,000 yards and led the league in, in yards. Yeah, no, I get I get where you're coming from. I just found it very amusing that you said that and then came out with, yeah, yeah I mean, of course, he let the league in with his interceptions, you know, with 30 interceptions. But but the thing is, is that at the end of the day, um, <clears throat> the question is, is that did it help his team to win? And to be told, if and I get what you're saying, but the stats speak for itself. Otherwise, he would have been starting somewhere. Um, okay. He wouldn't have been you know, put in that position where he is now. So I get where you're coming from and maybe under the right tutelage of somebody else um, that will come to play. Um, but he definitely needs to limit and cut off those turnovers and that will solidify him as the next step going forward. I right. think that that's where the key is. Uh, so whether it's in New Orleans, whether it's someplace else, um, will it will be determined. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe he'll get this opportunity with the uh, with the Saints. Maybe he's got a year of sitting down watching, you know, Drew Brees and getting more acclimated to his offense. You know, is good. Um, problem is, is that you know the Saints' offense, you know, still can be much more similar to how Tampa Bay is, where they push the ball downfield, and that's where he got into a lot of problems. A la Brady's getting into a lot of problems by pushing the ball downfield, but when Brady was able, I guess, to get into Bruce Arians' thick skull that he's not a, you know, a deep down, you know, you know, hash line passer, that he's more better when he throws short to intermediate passes. That's where he flourishes and, you know, look where you're at. So hopefully Jameis Winston gets another opportunity somewhere else. Definitely, definitely. And to be honest, with the quarterback's positions being wide open at this stage, you know, he's going to have to have that opportunity. He's going to have an opportunity. Yeah. Right. Um, but to end it up, we're going to end it up on um, Adrian's um, favorite sport or maybe his second favorite sport, baseball. Um, we just found out that nobody, and I mean nobody, <laughs> was elected into the 2021 Hall of Fame. Um, obviously, um, Schilling, Bonds, and um, who else is on the ballot? Um, notables. Oh, um, uh, Clemens. Clemens. Um, we're on the ballot. I think um, nobody obviously got the the, um, the prerequisite um, amount of um, votes to get in there. Kurt Schilling got close, but no cigar. But he actually got ticked off and said, take his name off the ballot next year, which would be his and Barry Bonds last year of eligibility um, to get in there. So do you guys think that putting nobody into the Hall of Fame for 2021. And mind you, it's not the first time it's happened. It just hasn't happened in a very, very long time. Uh, but A, do you think it was a good idea to put nobody in there? And B, do you think that um, Clemens, Bonds, or Schilling will ever be admitted to the Hall of Fame? I'm not saying they'll, they'll never make it, but they'll get there at some point. But unfortunately, uh, we all know Clemens and Bonds and the reason why the writers have their issues with them. Uh, unfortunately, with Schilling, it's not so much his play, but his after baseball and his uh, his political uh, affiliations and how he feels about certain topics, especially when he was broadcasting and he said some inappropriate things that kind of led him from not being broadcasting anymore. 
I mean, you know, the Hall of Fame is supposed to be based off of a character playing ball and everything like that. But, you know, the seem like the sports casters and the sports writers sit there and try to throw your personal and everything else up into the mix to, to kind of judge uh, who the person you're supposed to be. So I don't have a problem with Schilling and him wanting to take his name off the ballot for next year just because he's sick and tired of the BS. But, I mean, Clemens and Bonds would love to, to have their name up there and they don't have the, the, the luxury to sit there and say, take my name off and hope that the, the seniors committee can sit there and vote me in on XYZ. So it's kind of a catch-22 in a sense. You know, uh, it sucks that your post-career ended or was, you know, kind of going the way it was. But in the same sense, you have nobody to blame but yourself. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, at this stage, you don't have no one to blame but yourself. But I do have to say that in doing this, this is what the writers do. Um, and they take their matter, they take their vote in the heart, it looks like it. Um, no player has gotten over 75%. Um, and I get where I, Kurt is saying to take me off um, the final year um, at this stage. It, it is what it is. But I agree with you, Ace. At the end of the day, I know that they still want to be a part of the Hall of Fame. Um, both him, um, Barry Bonds, uh, Roger Clemens, you know, there's a, it's, I mean, to be honest, everyone wants to say that they don't want to be a part of it, but I'm pretty sure he would love to be a part of it. Um, but unfortunately, the writers making it personal for him. At the end of the day, it is what it is. And you have to take ownership of some of the responsibilities. And at the end of the day, if your stats speak for themselves, yes, we, we say that. But at the end of the day, it's not up to you. It's up to the writers. And if the writers feel a certain way, they're not going to vote you in. Bottom right. Way. Yeah, I mean, I guess, Ace, you can, I mean, you can attest to this. I think the Hall of Fame over the last, what, 15, 20 years has just been kind of letting anybody in. <laughs> Be it, be it great or very, very good. Um, but this little morality clause that they have in there with the sports sports writer, I think, is totally BS. Um, it always, always found it funny that people who write about the game, who haven't played the game, and who were never able good enough to play the game, are going to sit there and pass judgment on people who actually play the game to see whether or not they're Hall of Fame worthy. It'll almost be like, you know, it's like the NFL doesn't necessarily do that. They'll have some people in there that are maybe some writers, but it's a mix. You have players, you have execs, and then you have some writers. It's not all writers saying that this person doesn't need to be in there, this person doesn't need to be in there because they're bringing in their own personal, you know, you know, opinions about a person, how they feel. If I don't like you, even though you have the numbers that back up you know, in the career to back up that you should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not going to vote for you because I don't like you. And now they have this morality clause that's saying that because you did X, Y, and Z, um, whether it's off the field or whatever, then you shouldn't be in there. And if you decided to expand that morality clause, not to this quote unquote steroids era, if you want to put that for the totality of baseball, it wouldn't be that many people in the Baseball Hall of Fame because let's be honest, a lot of people back in the day, cheated. A lot of people back in the day did some grimy stuff. A lot of people back in the day, there's abuse against their wives, whatever. The, the Hall of Fame would be very, 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 very slim because a lot of people from day one have been doing some real grimy stuff. Um, so it, it, I always found that unfair, in my opinion, that you have writers voting people into a sport which then themselves haven't, haven't played. It should be a mix. It should be past it should be um past players and past you know execs in the game as well as some writers to determine that instead of having all writers that come in there with their own personal agenda who themselves aren't that moral and have their own personal issues so how can you sit there and pass judgment on somebody's morality when your own morality is in question as it is do you really think that the players would have made some type of a would have made some type of an agreement where 
they could add more players to the voting um, Hall of Fame, not just the writers, or make some type of change where it's more leveled um, for the play for majority of the players to have former players, similar to like you said, like the NFL or you know. The question is that whether or not there is it ever going to change. That's really what the bottom line is, or who is going to take ownership and say, you know what, we have to make that change. They should. They should fight for that. Um, but right now, the sports writers, you know, hold the you know the keys to the Hall of Fame, which I'm not in total agreement with. It. You guys can, you know, you guys might think otherwise, but that's just my opinion from the outside looking in. But you know, as far as bonds, and now we're going to see a Rod and you know Ortiz come up next year, which is going to make things even more interesting. I'm like this. Either you tell everybody in that steroid era that was that used PEDs, you know, that were on that list that might have used PEDs. Either you say anybody that came out using or caught or meant using PEDs, you're not going to be allowed in the Hall of Fame, period. Either say that or baseball has to admit that, you know, we turned a blind eye during the steroid use because we needed it to get viewership back up. We knew what was going on. We just turned the blind eye because we we're making a lot of money and bringing a lot of people back into the game. And then you do it afterwards. If you not want to admit that baseball, then just say anybody use steroids, you're never going to get in. And and there it is. They're never going to do that. <clears throat> and they're never going to do that. Um, at least at this stage, they're going to try and sweep it under the rug as they normally would and continue on. And just say, you know, this is it's that kind of this too shall pass type of thing where they're going to be like, All right, well, you know, they make it, they make it. If they don't, so be it. We're just going to move forward. I feel you. I mean, this is what it is. They need to, to get the morality out of there. Just the play on the field, speak for itself. Just like Pete Rose. Pete Rose has been... Exile, you know, I understand that, you know, betting on baseball is like a cardinal sin, but damn. He wasn't the only one I ever did it before. I know, but he was the only one that ever got caught. <laughs> he just got, yeah, he just got caught. That's, yeah, the, problem. I mean, That's the problem. It's no different than um, any of these jokers doing drugs or, you know, Barry Bonds and all that. If it wasn't for Jose Canseco coming out there and saying what he said, nobody would have any real concrete, you know, concrete uh, proof about all this uh, PED use that was going on. You know, so it's like they used all them types of drugs in the 50s and 60s. It was speed and some other crap to help them get through. But nobody was sitting there uh, being a canary and, and spitting out shit. So it's just like, you know, it's just a BS. And and that, that speed and cocaine used back in the, you know, the 80s and everything into early 90s, that wasn't baseball. That was across all the sports. Yes, uh, very much so. <laughs> very uh, much baseball, so. football, football, basketball, basketball, hockey, track and field. <laughs> yes. It was across the whole spectrum. And a lot of people that were using it are in the Hall of Fame in their respective sports. True. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that they never got caught. Uh, well, or ran it out. <laughs> they knew about Darl Strawberry. You know, but that didn't stop Doc from, you know, or Daryl from both getting their World Series rings and doing whatever. I just think that their 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 statistics just stopped them from getting uh, Hall of Fame ballots. But if they were still consistently being that, that superstar they were when they were doing coke like Lawrence Taylor, they would be in their respective Hall of Fame. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, what he was doing, he was doing it before games and during games, but yet the, 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 the numbers and his impact on the game – you can't deny that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, right, right. But I, I, I've always said, uh, until baseball, you know, a commissioner is just willing to come out and just admit that we knew about it and we turned a blind eye to it because we needed people to come back and watch baseball after the whole, you know, strike and you canceling the season, the World Series, just – once you admit to that, then I think you'll make everything easier as far as the steroid arrows heal and I think go away because then you're not trying to say, well, it's it's out of our hands. You know, if the sports writers don't vote into the Hall of Fame, just 
admit that everybody was in fault in some form or fashion. And then I think the whole, I think the whole sport of baseball can be able to move past that era in a better way. But right now they just, baseball as a whole just doesn't want to do that. Right. They, they, you know, everything is so the scantity of the sport and the, the, this, the whole of the records and everything is just so, is, is just so dainty and so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Herald, you know, all of their records is just like, it's, it's just their records, you know, it's just, they hold their records so dear. God forbid it has something to do with drugs and they'll, they'll have a fit. And, here, here. Well, we shall see because no one was in this year and come next year, it's going to be A-Rod and, you know, Big Poppy um, and some other folks on there. So it, it's not it's not getting any better. <laughs> guarantee A-Rod get in. They may not like it, but they guarantee you're going to get in. You know why? You know why? Because he admitted he, to it. No, it's, it's because when he sat out and he had that big suspension and he came back that following year, and damn near led the Yankees to another playoff berth, but then he cooled off in the second half. That's the reason why they're going to sit there and say that that man didn't necessarily need to do the drugs to sit there and propel a team to, to, to push them to the playoffs. I don't know. I, I, I see him getting close, but I don't know if they're going to um, fully accept him in. Or, or they're going to make him sweat it out for a couple of years. Maybe. I see that too. Yeah, maybe make him sweat it for like about six or seven years and then give it to him. <laughs> but we shall see. But anyway, folks, that is our, our, we're coming up on our time. We're actually past our time. So um, everybody, let them know where they can find you at. Dude, you can find me on the boardwalk of AC, cold, shivering, but I'm here. Uh, but you also find me on, on Twitter, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. And you can find me in Barclays right now. No, I'm just playing. Um, no, you look um, like you're you, there. <laughs> I know. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, I am our calls. Twitter, Instagram, I am our calls. Yes, you can find me in South Jersey and Snapchat, Twitter, and the Gram, J.E. Ross, number seven. Um, so we want to thank everybody out. We also want to give a moment of silence and peace to the great Hank Aaron, who passed away early this week, um, the home run king. Um, you know, his impact on the sport as well as, you know, the civil rights overall um, can't be measured, um, which is one thing. So I'm not going to go into, you know, what he meant to different people. Um, but let's just say that one of the giants in the sports um, is gone. One of the giants, you know, you know, from our camp is gone. So um, Shout out to Hank Aaron's family um, in this time of need. And also, we've just passed the one-year anniversary of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and all the people who lost their lives on the helicopter plane ride. So um, always rest in peace. And to everyone, uh, be safe out there. Wear your masks. Social distance when you can. Um, love, peace, soul. And we'll see you next week when we'll have our Super Bowl picks. Minus eight, because it'll probably jinx my <laughs> you can't with me. <laughs> Have a good one. God bless. Game. Like. <laughs>